What's up? It's your pal when she gets started kiss, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode, we take a look at a fanfiction or a series of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. Today's fic, I believe, is fairly well known and rather polarizing. And this fic is simply known as Morphic by the author Dragonfree. Maybe you recognize that name, maybe you don't. If you're in the Pokemon fandom and you read fic for that, chances are you probably do. I did want to do an analysis of it because it does generate a lot of different opinions and I wanted to pick it apart a little bit. So we're going to take a look at a more character-centric tale of eight outcasts who are outsiders because they're human and Pokemon splices, or rather Pokemorphs. So Pokemorphs is not uncommon to see in the Pokemon fandom, but it's not one I've covered yet on the show, so it might be kind of difficult for me to compare it to the rest of the sub genre for that reason. From what I understand, this fic is really a deconstruction of the whole concept. Let's be real though, a lot of Pokemorph stuff, it's just some furry shit, but that doesn't mean there's not real potential for this type of character. It opens up opportunities for like a whole new type of outcast, not to mention you can get creative with the biology or the behavior of these things. A lot of Pokemorphs is also just like, oh, kid gets injected by team rocket with some DNA and can use flamethrower all of a sudden. Whereas this has basis in science, at least in universe. It's not completely explained because that would just be tedious and more research than probably anyone's willing to put into that. But it kind of makes sense scientifically from the information that we get during this fic. Let's get started. This is not furry shit. This is about the characters and their struggles and that fun stuff. So let's just actually dive right into this. First, I got to talk about the writing style. So it's pretty much where it needs to be. It feels practical. Like the author wasn't trying to be poetic, but it's still pretty well written. Like they actually proofread this and it reads well. So the setup for this fic is kind of clumsy, I think. The premise is that there's some scientists who admit to creating human and Pokemon hybrids while drunk just to see if they could. So Brian, one of two main scientists, has to go on air and state that they just intended to destroy the fetuses, but there's still some public outrage because they created these creatures just so they could die. Brian does not make a very good argument for aborting them. That is the point, though. Rather than this being pro-life propaganda, like the last episode we did, <laughs> he's just an anxious dude and terrible at PR. That's really the point. It's characterizing him as well as setting up the premise. Basically, he says that the kids will live miserable lives and get bullied and doesn't bring up the possibility of health and development problems after birth and so on, even though, you know, he's a scientist. You'd think that the issues people would have with the Pokemorphs would be the other way around, because if you think about creating a human-animal hybrid in real life, people would be horrified by its existence. So the main plotline of this fic does, in fact, include religious zealots terrified by the Pokemorphs who want them and their creators dead. But there'll be more on that later. So there's questions of intellect, you would have to figure out the biology of like a whole new species, really, and there are a ton of things that could go wrong. And for this example here, I'm only thinking about splicing a human with another mammal, not an invertebrate, a bird, a plant, a fish, a bug or a ghost, how would that last one even work anyways? So I, I do think the Pokemorphs are interesting character concepts if you go in a little bit past the surface. 
there were some missed opportunities here as well as things they left out that would have just made things needlessly complicated had they been included but they hit what they wanted to hit for the most part uh at least one character for each issue so like behavioral physical sort of stuff and i do like it for that but anyways for these scientists reputations sake they can't abort the embryos so they have to each adopt at least one of the abomination creatures so yeah like i said the setup is a little bit clumsy and feels forced it literally is forced in the fic but this is more character based than anything else the plot line isn't very strong either but we're really able to delve into these characters psyches and their lives a bit we're gonna get an ensemble cast with eight fusions plus a few of the adults also being important uh we don't get to know all the characters that well which is kind of disappointing honestly some we'll really get to know and some we hardly even talk about if they'd shrunk the cast down to maybe three or four then we could have gotten to know them all really well and i think that would have been ideal i'm gonna go through these in more detail but right now we got gabe the slugma fusion mia the skyther will the meowth lucy the mischievous jack the chinchow peter the tailo Jean the vulpix and catherine the rose raid or Roselia. The intro here is really where they're setting up all the adoptions, the legality of which isn't really explained or anything since they're all evenly split human Pokemon, even though they're characterized more as like 75% human and 25% Pokemon. So I don't know if they'd be treated as humans who need to be protected under the law or go to school and shit, or like Pokemon to be owned, but that kind of gets glossed over. The bulk of this fic takes place 10 years later, all the more aged at different speeds, which is nice because we kind of get to see them at different stages of life and maturity. A lot of this fic is about schooling and Dave, uh, one of the main scientists, fighting for the Pokemorphs' right to education, which I guess if they had to hone in on one thing, this was a pretty decent choice so that they could emphasize the social dynamics to which these morphs are subjected. So we're going to get a lot of character intros now. So our main scientist dude is Dave, mastermind behind all this, if you'd like to call him that. He took the Vulpix morph at his girlfriend's insistence but she leaves him because she ends up hating that thing we meet Catherine the Roselia fusion whose hands are flower petals which you know sucks for her but at least she's not Gabe the slugma fusion who catches on fire a lot and he's really the only one whose health problems they chose to focus on because you know being a human fused with a lava slug does not bode well and if his body temperature gets too high then his organs will fail and he also leaves slime in his wake everywhere he goes and his line at the end of his introductory scene is just like my life sucks yeet Brian, actually, uh, the one who had to adopt him, is actually such a wholesome dad here, even though he'd really gotten punished for fucking up the conference or whatever, and Dave gave him the most difficult morph to raise on purpose, and he hated the first few years of Gabe's existence, but now he's really proud of his son and has no regrets about adopting him, and they have a good bond. So, Mia the Skyther, she's a character she's quite a character she has issues that aren't self-pity like the first two we've talked about she's violent and she causes lots of trouble mostly when the nut jobs as she calls them the religious people who are fucking terrified of her at her school they when they try to provoke her she isn't capable of understanding some human things like religion and emotion and she's also a sociopath who has like one mode of being which is like i do whatever i want when i feel like it other people 
it's not that i don't want to care about them it's just i don't understand how to like she doesn't get angry really in spite of her violent tendencies she's more like these people were being dicks i don't see why i shouldn't be allowed to attack them because she just doesn't understand society her introductory scene is her getting expelled from school because she has those blades on her arms and she rips off the protective sheaths to attack some of the nut jobs she doesn't actually hurt anyone but this is like her third infraction so dave has to homeschool her it was pretty cool of them to focus on her behavioral issues here instead of the physical a lot of these yeah they're like yep my hands are flowers and people don't like me because of that it's all so hard to pick up pencils but here we get some valid reasons why people are fucking scared of her like a lot of the other hatred towards the morphs are just people being dicks here people are actually fucking terrified of her because she's dangerous lucy the mischievous morph i wish we could have seen more of her because she's fused with the ghost type which opens up more possibilities beyond the, just the human animal hybrids that i guess theoretically could exist in our world her intro is really one of the religious wackos standing outside her house basically telling her that she's an abomination creature and her father just tells the dude to fuck off her deal is that she kind of gives off like the psychic energy and can like walk through walls and shit here's a quote to help characterize uh mia lucy and their relationship because they're sisters they got adopted by the same couple with a careless swooping motion without looking away from her father mia swung her raised scythe straight through her sister's currently insubstantial forehead howard felt his paternal instinct twitch in horror but lucy only continued to giggle grinning happily at her father as if having a blade repeatedly driven through one's head was every sane person's idea of fun i'll leave you to it i suppose howard said shaking his head lucy you remember to always stay insubstantial while she's here with you all right and the moment you get the least bit tired you stop before you become unable to keep it up is that clear let me see you go invisible yes daddy the small girl answered her pitch black form briefly fading to a smoky sort of transparent and then becoming entirely invisible invisibility was more taxing for her than insubstantiality if she could make herself entirely invisible it meant that she had plenty enough energy to keep up her insubstantial form and they had agreed on using it as a test i also love how their parenting just like adapts to the weird physical needs of these kids so we still have a few more characters to meet jack the chin chow morph he is pretty important he seems fairly self-confident and he's like all used to the weird stares he gets because he's blue has anglerfish antenna and webbed fingers like you think there'd be something about if he's able to breathe underwater or has difficulty breathing on land or whatever but there's not he actually has some friends but they're all magic the gathering nerds so these next two characters don't really feel especially essential or have a unique focus to them the last two we're gonna meet so there's will the meow with he has a few issues but he's doing relatively well he has to deal with his cat instincts and he's kind of embarrassed of it but he's like it feels good when i play with a ball of yarn what's wrong with it but i don't want anyone to see me and he has like sibling rivalry with the two biological children that his parents also have so there's also peter the tailo morph who's pretty normal except that he grows feathers in some places instead of hair and has some small deformed wings on his back that he opted not to get surgically removed and he's like going on his pokemon journey he's got like a ponytail really i'd say catherine and lucy are pretty non-essential to the story too and it could have happened without them given a few tweaks gabe and jack are the most important for the plot though for sure and i i like gabe a lot he just tries his goddamn best so we're gonna get a scene of will and gene gene full picks morph who's dave's daughter gene ain't the sharpest tool in the shed in the eternal words of smash mouth 
and she has some human friends but they don't really seem to like her very much she's also gotten an acting contract because her design was based off sarah hooter who's a Fix morph in a popular book series that's getting made into a movie which she's super hyped about but it pisses everyone off when she won't shut up about it i bring this up because this acting contract is like a subplot that like continues throughout the fic i don't know it's kind of weird but i feel like it characterizes gene really well but let's get some plot up in this bitch and this is really sudden too like one moment we're going through some character intros and the next we're in the middle of a shootout as soon as this next scene starts like whoa we had all that exposition and then suddenly it just ramps the fuck up so one of the religious fundamentalists shoots and kills brian while trying to instead kill dave when they're on their way out of the lab after work one day they hit Dave, but he lives. And when he wakes up, he's like, oh, fuck, I thought I was dead. And Mia the Skyler Morph is like, I saw Brian in the morgue. I think I wanted to eat him. And Dave's just like, okay, that's nice. Let's call Gabriel and tell him his dad's dead. And he, Dave has no tact. Like, he's just literally like, uh, hey, uh, what's up, Gabe? How do I say this? Um, your dad's dead. So Jean also has to get Dave to sign her acting contract, even though it's, you know, not a priority after being shot. He doesn't want to do it, but he does it anyways. He doesn't want a bunch of fucking furries making porn of her. Valid concern. <laughs> and here the fic actually does one of those convenient newscast things where a story relevant to the main character or to the plot will come on whenever someone turns on the tv the anchorman is dave's ex who had a mental breakdown and tried to throw their pokemorph child out the window and he's just like fucking bitch she must have to suck so many dicks to get that job probably making more money than me too so then we do get Brian's funeral and how Gabe feels about all this shit, which is just mostly resentment towards Dave and how Dave's speech is just all the garbage you have to say at a funeral. He's just sugarcoating everything, like when all the nice things he's saying are about how Brian took all this shit from him for so many years because he was too nice not to and ultimately a bullet in the head. It's pretty emotionally charged with grief and also like anger. I like this scene. Jack, the Chinchamorph, gives Gabriel a little growlithe puppy to help him feel better, and Gabe's all bitter about it being Dave's idea for him to get the dog. And how dare anyone suggest that it could be a replacement for his father? But he's also like immediately attached to it. Like, you can't say no to the puppy. You you can't. But here's a spoiler: alert. they killed off the dog. Not fucking cool. That is illegal. You're not allowed to kill dogs or anything or cats either. Like kill as many humans as you want, but the instant you hurt an animal, fuck that. Fuck you. So Gabe stays with Jack's family and they're bonding more. I don't think the relationships between all the morphs were explored enough, but that's probably because of the large cast size. Later on in the fic, it's like, oh yeah, Jack and Gabriel, they were best friends, but there isn't that much indication. Like, this scene felt like they were really getting to know each other and becoming friends more than they were already best friends. So Gabe is having a shitty time. He doesn't feel satisfied when Brian's murder does get arrested, and he's not really sure why he isn't satisfied with it. Jack thinks it might be because he wants to physically fight the man himself, and he reveals that he does get a lot of violent impulses, and he figures it's because of the Pokemon genes. Similarly, uh, some of the others are beginning to gain control over some Pokemon moves, like Jack can use Spark, Will used Payday. Peter did quick attack, and Lucy's getting better at Shadow Ball. Like, Gabe doesn't get those same violent urges, but he's like, hmm, 
would it feel good to hurt that religious nut job? And speaking of the killer and violence and shit, yeah, that guy gets arrested. He's one creepy ass dude who's like, God made me do it. He's really one dimensional, like all the all the villains are, but they really they just needed a bad guy. Dave has pretty much been on lockdown for fear that he'll be killed too, but they let him go face to face with the killer for a brief interrogation session. But we do soon learn that the real killer was another fundamentalist fuck, and the other dude they arrested took the blame so the police would stop guarding Dave. The real murderer calls them and says that he kidnapped Gabriel, and if they tell anyone, they'll kill him? So that felt like it was really out of nowhere too like just me saying that just doing the summary is like oh time to switch gears entirely we're, we're not even switching subplots or, or point of views nope this is just how this fic is paced before this random phone call we get no scene of gabriel getting kidnapped or any indication that they were after him in particular it's just suddenly like yep we're holding your boy for ransom the scene of gabriel getting kidnapped we see actually after they reveal that he has in fact been kidnapped i mean that's one way to do it but i feel like it takes away a lot of the suspense and this was confusing to me, but it does make sense later. Like, what is their plan anyways? They're not asking Dave and the others to give them anything. They're not asking for money. They're just holding Gabriel like a hostage. And all they're asking of them is not to report them to the police. Like, what's the point? Perhaps a trap? Because this is what we get next. So everyone panics, but they come to the conclusion that there's really nothing they can do. But Jack starts to hatch a plan. He and the other morphs are going to go after Gabriel themselves if no one else is going to do shit. So once they arrive at the place Gabriel was abducted, Jean gets a phone call and like a dumbass, she just answers it and she's like, hi, dad. And Dave is just raging on the other hand because he knows what they're up to, but they ignore him. Jack tries to give this inspirational speech, but no one has any reaction. Oh my god, this poor boy, he's doing he's trying his best, but he tries again with a different angle, like violence, fuck yeah. Don't you want to kill some bitches? And everyone's like, yeah, you know what? I feel like that at least sometimes, or if you're Mia, all the time. They do realize that Gabriel is the bait, and what the fundamentalists want is really all the morphs to come after him so they can kill them, but Jack's like, whatever the fuck. I'd die for Gabriel. Let's all go. When did that bond form? Because we didn't really get to see it and the scenes they had together seem more like they were getting to know each other instead of them just being besties hanging out like i mentioned earlier so where did this like character development relationship development happen so they do have that little growlite puppy with them that they use to like track down gabe's scent and they're like let's evolve it and teach it fire blast maybe it'll help us in a fight spoiler alert they kill the dog like they send it out to use fire blast and it immediately gets shot in the head so the moral of the story here is really don't bring a pokemon to a gunfight so growlives evolve into arc canines with a firestone However, so do Vulpixes, and this does not go well for Jean when Jack carelessly hands her the stone, and she even more carelessly accepts it. So this bitch, this bitch, she just evolved on her way to a suicide mission, and her biggest concern is like, what if I can't act in the movie because I look different now? So she wants to go home, but the others are like, um, public transportation? I don't think so. That doesn't sound like a good idea. 
and then we spend a ridiculously long time on Catherine trying to park the car uh she's the only one who knows how to drive only kind of but hey she still has more experience than anyone else so they go for it they spend a half page on her trying to park and then they hit they hit a car and they want to leave a note or something it's just like why did we focus on that so meanwhile gabriel is alone in like a holding cell or the church basement or some shit and he's trying to eat dirt <laughs> i know this sounds weird right but he used to do it as a fetus because that's what sustains slugmas so why not try again because his captors aren't feeding him so <laughs> this kid <laughs> this motherfucker this scene is so weird but kind of funny because he just succumbs to the euphoria of eating dirt. He realizes that he's not supposed to orally consume it but that his skin absorbs it and he just goes fucking wild. He like takes off his, all his clothes and starts rolling around in the dirt. Like he's just into it. It makes him feel alive. It makes him feel like a Pokemon. So Jean goes home because that's how she is. And she tells the adults all about what happened. And meanwhile, Lucy, the mischievous morph, and the only one who didn't go on the mission with the rest, is like, I'ma help them, and vanishes through a wall before anyone can stop her. So the squad here enters the church where they're holding Gabe, only to be greeted by a crazy dude with a gun who shoots Peter, the telemorph. He actually ends up living, but there's this whole fight scene where a few others die, including Mia, but not before she gets to let out that bloodlust of hers. The arcanine, like I said, and Will, the Meowth boy. Gabriel actually comes in and saves the day even though he was the one who needed saving like while he was caught up in the elation of eating dirt he also learned how to use fire so he's like I'm a badass motherfucker bit and then Lucy comes in and knocks everyone out with Parish song all the bullets just go through her and man that would have been useful earlier but for some reason she didn't go with the others I don't know what's up with that we get a conclusion in the hospital where Jack just feels really shitty for f walking everyone into a death trap. But hey, uh, Gabriel's okay, so ultimately the plan was a success. The two of them have this kind of role reversal situation where Gabriel feels satisfied with his violence, but Jack just feels horrible. Gabriel's like, yep, I figured out that I have cool powers, but if I use them, my body temperature gets too high and my organs start to fail, so yeah, my life sucks. We still have to wrap up the acting subplot, so we get the agency calling Dave to say that Jean can't be in the movie anymore because she evolved. Dave is really happy about that. Jean is a whiny little shit, but the best thing about her character is that she just very cheerfully responds to the idea of roasting people alive. But now we finally have to sort out some legal shit, because after all, the Pokemorphs did, you know, kind of commit murder. It's will be like that sometimes. So the verdict here, compromise really, is that they all go on house arrest. This shit is angsty as hell like this ending is depressing gabe goes outside at night just to walk around one last time he's thinking you know maybe the world will be better off without me and my presence to ruin it. and i'm just have to enjoy everything secondhand like through the internet and shit also i killed a man that was kind of traumatizing for me and jack is just so guilty and he's had like all these thoughts about hurting himself and others in the past but now he's like what if I jumped off this balcony and it's just real for him and he's like, I have no right to be alive after leaving my friends with their deaths. Uh, Gabriel stopped some time, but man, it's just depressing. And it, it ends even more depressing with Dave drunk crying because he really does love those kids. And now all this bullshit fucked up their lives even more. So yeah, not really a happy or satisfying ending. I'm not going to bitch about that on principle. If you aren't afraid to kill off your characters or have a tragic ending, then good on you. I have nothing against sad endings, 
but there are other things I need to talk about. So the plot was pretty weak. The villains were super one-dimensional. The premise was unoriginal. The pacing was really weird. All the plot points happened like really suddenly, like there wasn't anything building up to it. It was a simple plot too. And I think that worked to its advantage because it was more character based. Speaking of, yeah, there are characters I wish like, we could have gotten to know better and even some aspects of characters we did get to know that felt kind of glossed over. This could have benefited from a smaller cast in my opinion. Gabe and Jack were essential and I feel like their personalities were pretty well developed and explored. However, their relationship really wasn't, which made the links that Jack was suddenly willing to go for Gabe feel kind of unjustified. Mia was interesting too. Uh, at the end, I'll have a few more things to say about her. I didn't like Jean. She was fucking annoying, but I also think that's what the author was going for, at least a little bit. And then there was Peter, Catherine, Will, and Lucy. They weren't touched on all of them much. I would have liked Lucy to be in it more, because I think she had the most unique character design. When we're anything like it would have been impossible in reality, so they could have really explored that and been creative with it. In general, yeah, it would have been cool to see more of the relationships between siblings, friends, and parents develop some more. So yeah, overall, I did like this fic. A lot of people hate it, but I feel like it accomplishes what it wants to, but only to a degree. Like, it's not really about the one-dimensional religious freaks. Like, a lot of people, that's their gripes about it. But it's it's about the characters and their integration or lack thereof into society. That's really another thing it did well. It did explore each of their lives in the context of larger society, even for the underdeveloped characters. So I also do want to mention that there are a few extra chapters at the end. They're mostly conversations between Mia and Dave, and I feel like they actually might accomplish some of what the fic was trying to do better than the fic itself did. They won't make a lot of sense without the rest of the fic, even though they're kind of standalones. But we get some real insight into how Mia's mind works. Like, she's just incapable of understanding a lot of parts of human society and human nature. So she just tries to apply pure logic to it, and it just doesn't work well. I do really like the extras they did a great job exploring her character and her relationship to dave and they were pretty funny too so if you get through this fic and you liked it even a little these are worth checking out for sure and on whole yeah this fic is worth a read there are shortcomings and i don't, I don't really understand why people hate it i understand why they hate the things that they do hate but i don't understand them hating it on a whole yeah there are shortcomings kind of a lot of them but there are good parts in there and they hate what they wanted to hit so today we covered Morphic by Dragon Free. The Bar is Low is on Instagram. You can find us at the Bar's Low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us so you know what's coming up next. I'm your pal Wenchkis Thoughtikis. This is the Bar is Low. Thank you for joining me, and that's all for today.